Blog Talk Radio. I hear a lot of talk about old-time great fighters. I hear people say that Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey, Jack Johnson, Jim Jeffries, and all of them would have annihilated the likes of myself, Muhammad Ali. After watching these films, watching their opponents, watching their styles, watching how they fought, watching the footwork and their speed, it may come as a shock to you, but I say that I would have beat every heavyweight that ever lived before me. Joe's gonna come out smoking, and I ain't gonna be joking. I'll be pecking and a-poking, pouring water on his smoking. Then this might shock and amaze you, but I will destroy Joe Frazier. I'm knocking out all bones. And if you get too small, I'll knock you out. Cameraman, everybody follows me, I'm so great. He will go in eight to prove that I am great. And if he wanna go to heaven, I'll get him in seven. He'll be in the worst of fix if I cut it to six. And if he keeps talking jive, I'll cut it to five. Hey, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it. You're not that great. I'm a bad man. I don't want time it is. It's time for the majority decision. Coming to you live from the great state of Texas, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And your host, Greg, the truth host of the show is the black belt, Mr. Fayaz, who I am assuming is going to be joining us very soon. I want to thank everybody for tuning in live, if you are listening live. Thank everybody who is going to download this show tonight, tomorrow, later in the week. I want to invite you to check us out on Twitter at MajorityMMA. Like us on Facebook, The Majority Decision. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you are an iTunes listener and you like the show, give us a rating. Give us a little rating there on the iTunes gimmick. We would definitely appreciate that. And we would always, we always love it when you um, share your thoughts on the show on the social media. Big week or big night last night, UFC on Fox 21, great free card, free night of mixed martial arts action, headlined by two top welterweight contenders and Carlos Condit and Damian Myers. We're definitely going to get into that. I'm going to sift through just some other news and opinion and maybe see what else has went down in the world of MMA this past week, of course. We talked about it a little bit Friday, but Roy McDonald has jumped ship to Bellator MMA. That was uh, confirmed on Friday night during Bellator's recent outing, which featured a little bit of a disappointing main event that ended an injury. Uh, that was a fight between Patricio Pitbull and former UFC lightweight champion Ben Henderson. 
They called it a super fight, which was a little funny. But I guess in terms of both guys being former champions, like I guess that might be something you could uh, talk about. But back to Roy McDonald. It has to be money. I mean, it can't be glory. It can't be build your brand. It can't be any of those things, at least in my opinion, because the UFC is the place to be, uh, regardless of what people might want to say. They might have an argument for Bellator being a top company, and it is certainly the number two company in the world, or excuse me, in the United States, but its status as number two is not very close to number one. It's it's number two, but it's a far, far, far away number two. So knowing that, a guy doesn't jump to Bellator saying, hey, I'm going to build my brand in Bellator, or hey, I'm going to gain more followers or fan base in Bellator. If a guy who is on the level of a Rory McDonald jumps from the USC to Bellator, the only reason is money. I mean, it's hard to argue that, wouldn't you think? You know what? Um, it's definitely not fan-based. It can't be to expand its fan base. Anybody who's watching the UFC is watching Bellator. There's no, uh, There's not a bigger promotion out there right now. The only way you're expanding your fan base is if, you know, you cross over and go fight in Asia, right, and fight at the one champion, you know, fight yeah, fight at one FC or the one championship, whatever they're calling it. And, uh, you know, that's that's where you're going to expand your fan base. You're going to see, you know, you're going to catch a lot of people that you, t- you typically wouldn't catch. So, you know, it's, it's going to come down to money. He's going to gain a lot more sponsors, and he'll probably get paid a lot more and, you know, plus uh, Bellator offers, you know, the kickboxing and, you know, other other avenues that maybe he can get paid also. You know, and there is a connection there with um, Spike TV and possible television-type crossover deals, though I'm not sure that uh, Rory McDonald's butterfly-like personality would uh, go over very well on a television show. But uh, <laughs> that's just that's just my opinion. Dana White said something very interesting. I heard him on an interview with Colin uh, Coward, just a brief clip. The only reason I listened to it was because it said Dana White. Um, I, I do, in fact, uh, loathe Colin Coward, or however you say his name. I think he's uh, right up there with Skip Bayless, full of nonsense. But anyway... Dana White said that he thought that if Ronda Rousey came back, that it would be that her comeback fight would be the biggest pay-per-view in the history of uh, of the UFC. I think that statement was a mistake, and here's why: it might be the biggest comeback fight, it might be the biggest pay-per-view card. But you know what? If I'm Ronda Rousey and I heard that come out of uh, Dana White's mouth, and I just saw how much Conor McGregor made, and I just saw how much Nate Diaz made. Um, man, uh, I think we might need to have a meeting at the negotiating table <laughs> before uh, I sign any more documents for the UFC. Well, 
I think Ronda Rousey was uh, probably making a little bit, little bit more money than most people were anyway. And uh, obviously, Conor McGregor came along and took that to a whole nother level. Um, so is she going to end up at the negotiating table? Sure, she is. But, you know, it, it's just a matter of time. But at the same time, though, her last fight, she got clobbered, man. She got flattened. She got put away. And, you know, all all the Ronda Rousey defense that are listening right now, you can hate me for saying what I just said, but that was her last fight. She didn't come back after that, take a couple of, you know, take a tune-up fight and then say, hey, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take some time off. She, I mean, she got beat pretty badly and uh, now hasn't fought in a year. And I, I hope she's not just expecting to come back and, you know, walk through some people, you know, cause now her, uh, you know how it you know how it happens, man. You know, once once the champ's been knocked out, the stigma's gone. People aren't scared anymore. Yeah, and I definitely think that's gone for her. And uh, you have a lot more to prove. Yeah, whether or not that translates yeah. to her value in terms of pay-per-view buys and things of that, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But. um you know, Ronda was making a lot of money. I think her, I think her base was her highest base note listed was five hundred. And you know, and of course they get money on the back end from pay per views and stuff like that. But you got to imagine when you're when your base listed by Conor McGregor is five million, right? You know, and your back end is probably close to another five. You're, you know, ten million dollars. Yeah, Ronda Rousey. You know, with the way things are changing, uh, if if they view her as that big of a draw, if she views herself as that big of a draw, she definitely deserves to uh, to go back to the uh, the table a little bit because that's what McGregor did, that's what Diaz did. You know, I'm not, those guys I'm not can't tell me that Nate will. Diaz, yeah, that Nate Diaz is, was under contract to make three million a fight. That's that 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 would be crazy. No, not at all. Of course he wasn't under contract to make $3 million a fight. Ronda Rousey coming back is going to get her and, and Amanda Nunez a big payday. That's just what's going to happen. And once they set that yep. precedent in that division, that's how, it's going to ha- that's how it's going to go down every time somebody fights. They're going to expect close to, if not, you know, a decent amount of money, right? But, let's, uh, but, but they can also thank Conor McGregor for that because – while Ronda was bringing in some money, um, Conor McGregor, Conor, Conor McGregor took what you can get paid as an MMA fighter to a whole nother level, and uh, you know that's why all these guys want to fight. That's why Tyrone Woodley's saying, "Hey man, I was texting George St. Pierre, and his comeback's going to be huge, and it's all about the big payday." You know, that's that's basically what he said on UFC tonight about two weeks ago after he won the title. So, I, I, you know, it's like he's not even interested in fighting contenders. He needs he needs to fight a name so that he can he can carry a huge paycheck. Nothing wrong with that, but wouldn't you want to try to make a name for yourself? See, and, and that brings up a whole other another topic or question because. Now that the 
doors have been open for guys to make larger amounts of money, millions of dollars, not hundreds of thousands of dollars, top guys, main event guys at least. Is that going to change their attitude and how they approach their career? You know, I mean, 10 years ago, you know, guys were making good money, but I think it it would still be for most guys, you know, 80-20. 80% I love to fight. This is what I love to do. I'm a martial artist. Um, This is what, and, 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 you know, less about the money. Now we might be coming in danger of it being, more about the money and less about the sport. And when it becomes more about the money and less about the sport, especially in the fight game, I think boxing has showed us that, that can be a dangerous place to be. Because then it's just people showing up to, uh, you know, to get paydays and that sort of thing, which is fine, man. Make your money, do what you got to do. But Conor McGregor whether you want to say it or not, takes pride in himself as a fighter also. And he does, right? He wants that big payday, right? He knows he's exciting. He knows he he puts people in the seats. But at the end of the day, right, I mean, he went out and fought Nick Diaz the first time around and got beat that didn't devalue him at all because he's still who he is. So, and that, and that that all came from belief. So why can't somebody else say, well, you know, Nate Diaz said it the best. They were interviewing him. One of his interviews before he fought, they just fought the second time. They said, Nate, who's your favorite superhero? And he answered, Nate Diaz. That right there, that right there says enough, man. You got to, you know, you want to make your own name for who you are. And that way, that way you can carry something if you don't last that long in a promotion. I I would have assumed, I would have thought if I, that his answer would have been his brother because he constantly puts his brother over as the best fighter in the world. But no, I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, you're right, you know, and, 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 I, and I'm not saying that these guys shouldn't get paid or, or that they don't deserve every penny that they can get because um, they do. Uh, you know, if you can get yeah, more money, absolutely. then by all means, get more money. Absolutely. My whole my my only point my only point is why why not try to raise yourself? You know, into that situation. Why not try to be the person who puts the butts in the seats rather than you know, get a fight with somebody that gets you a big payday. I mean, whether you win or lose, all that does to you is you disappear into the spotlight because nobody really cared. Nobody really wanted to see you win or lose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So last night was UFC on Fox 21 from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia and Canada. They drew about 10,533 people for a gate of 995,624 Canadian dollars or whatever the currency is in Canada. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, this this card was, um, it seems like ever, ever since uh, UFC 200 came and went with all its hype and all of its uh, grandioseness, um, then it was a dud. 
that every card since then has been very solid, if not great. And uh, I think last night's show was another example of that. Great, great fights, top to bottom. Definitely. Yeah, after you watch UFC 202, I, I don't even remember there being a UFC 200. The card was by far probably the best card I've seen since 200 hit, right? And everybody showed up to fight. Nobody nobody worried about whether, you know, it was, it was you know, the 200th UFC. And it, I mean, it was, you know, nobody played it safe. Everybody got, everybody got in there and fought. And then last night, you had the same thing, man. Everybody got in there and fought just like we knew they would. And uh, everybody tried to finish, man. Definitely that with Jim Miller and Joe Luzon. The second time they've met, Jim Miller gets a split decision victory. I think uh, I think a lot of people had Joe Luzon up on that card. Um, was it as close as uh, people made it out to be in your eyes? Um. It looked to me like Joe Lazan took more damage in power shots. Um, you know, you can make a case for Lazan's takedowns, but they were all towards the end of the round. He never really, and, uh, you know, he did land a few shots. But, I mean, standing up, there was, uh, I think it, I don't know, man. Standing up, it looked like Jim Miller almost had him finished a few times, but because, Joe Lazon's Joe Lazon, he was able to fight back. I think he just got wrecked with a few more power shots. I think damage is probably yeah, what warranted for Jim Miller. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. I think, you know, we've seen guys in the past kind of steal rounds with late takedowns. And, um, but, you know, that wasn't the case. Uh, great fight um, between two guys who are well, well versed in great fights. <laughs> Uh, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paige Van Zant, super impressive. Switch jumping, switch kick, TKO over Beck Rawlings, who just seems <laughs> to can't get out of can't get out of brawl mode. Right. Not much technical. Uh, not much technical skill from Beck, but uh, Paige Van Zant definitely looked like uh, she didn't miss a beat. Yeah, man, I, Paige Van Zandt looked good. She actually looked better. Her arsenal looked a lot better. She had better movement. Um, she was throwing a few more. Uh, she was throwing some crazier technique. The best part to me about that fight was when she's in her corner and the corner tells her, stop throwing all that fancy junk or something, something to that effect. They said, stop throwing all that fancy junk. Go back to the basics, you know, just uh, just regular proper technique, and then uh, she goes out there and uh, wins a fight with some fancy jump. Yeah, I, I like the kicks that we saw. She threw a lot of uh, front kicks. She threw some leg kicks. I think she totally set that switch kick up with her with the low kicks. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if that was in the strategy or not, but you know, once you get nailed with a couple of low kicks. Those hands start coming down, right? Uh, you know, if you're not if you're not quick and you're not technical, or, or your defense isn't technically sound, you're you're opening yourself right up, and that that seemed to me kind of what happened to to Beck Rollins. Yeah, Beck looked like she did reach a little bit uh, for that kick when you watch it in slow motion. 
and then uh, Paige just came right around over the top. I mean, hip turned all the way over on that round kick. Yeah. And yet, right on it, the it didn't hit her with the shin, but the part of the foot didn't that hit to. her with, and the yeah, and the velocity that was coming with it, that couldn't get out of the way. Because if you watch it in slow motion, she's leaning and trying to get away from it, but she just saw it too late, and she got clipped right on the button. It was a beautiful kick, and uh, you can't take that away. Good job. Great job, Paige Van Zandt, man. She showed up well after being gone for such a long time. Co-main event was a featherweight. Anthony Pettis' debut uh, against Charles Oliveira, his uh, debut uh, at featherweight. Man, I tell you what, this was uh, there was some very very slick groundwork in this fight. I, I like this fight a lot. Uh, Anthony Pettis was swimming out of the uh, uh, Oliveira every time he took his back. Man, it was uncanny almost. Like uh, Pettis, and this and I talked about this Friday. One thing that I noticed that I felt in the fight against Pettis, you know, this it, it kind of sounds stupid. But to me, Pettis looked like he had his confidence back. He had that swagger back. Like, I, I'm showtime. I'm yeah. the man. He carried himself that way where he didn't seem like he had that his last couple of fights. And uh, at times, to me, to take nothing away from Pettis because he looked great, but Charles Oliveira looked like he was standing in concrete most of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Charles Oliveira came out, and he did what he usually does, man. He tried to, uh, you know, he walked he walked Pettis down because let's face it, that's how Pettis has kind of, you know basically lost a lot of his last his most of his last three fights, right? He's getting walked down. Sanyos walked him down, you know. Uh, Alvarez pressured him. Everybody pressured him. So Oliveira thought, well, let's pressure Pettis. You know, let's put the jujitsu on. I tell you what, man, Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis has won quite, you know, quite a bit in his career via submission. And every time Oliveira took his back, he just would wiggle right out of it. I mean, he would just turn. It was almost like, you know, it's like you said, it was uncanny. It was almost like he just didn't care. You know, and you're right. He did have a swagger back, man. He had all the swagger, as if to say. You know, I'm that complete fighter, man. You know, I can do everything. I can win up. I can win down. I don't care what your credentials are. You know, I can uh, – I'm going to take you out. And he chokes out the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and Anthony Pettis looked to me like he's going to – you know, of course, he's now going to be a, one of the bigger featherweights in the division. Whereas I think at 155, he was just, you know, another 155-pounder. Not big, not small. But definitely in the yeah. featherweight division, he's going to be – he's going to have size advantage over a lot of those guys. And uh, Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I would love to see him climb the ladder. I think there's a lot of great matchups for him at 145. I mean, man, I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, – you know, Cubs, Swanson, Ricardo Lamas, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor. I mean, those are all tremendous matchups uh, and potential great fights for Anthony Pettis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, You know, Anthony Pettis, he looked, uh, I don't know, man, he just, 
you know, he moved, he seemed to move well. He grappled well. He scrambled well. He just, he just did everything well. And, uh, I'm wondering if he just got, you know, it just got flat and lethargic while he was at 55. And, uh, you know, remember we were talking about do what gets you to the show. I just feel yeah. like he stopped doing that stuff. I, he stopped doing it when he went, you know, as uh, as he went on in 55. And, you know, maybe that's what he needed, just something uh, fresh to just to bring that back out of him. Yeah, change can definitely be a good thing. He breaks his uh, three-five losing streak, avoids the death nail, the potential death nail in a four-five losing streak. Although uh, but, uh, he did say... He did say that he had trouble making that weight. Like when he woke up, I think it was morning of weigh-in or the day before or something like that, he had to cut two more pounds to make weight. And he said, man, that was the hardest two pounds I've ever had to cut in my life. So uh, if uh, if he chooses to stay at 145, he's probably going to have to diet pretty heavily. Yeah, he didn't look good in the weigh-in pictures that I saw. He, he looked very drawn in and more so than normal. Uh, you know, you could tell he, he's definitely – it's a definitely a tough weight cut for him. Um, yeah. The main event, what can I say other than Damian Maya is the greatest mixed martial arts jiu-jitsu guy in the history of mixed martial arts. <laughs> and if there's a yeah. belt higher than black, uh, you got to award that to this guy immediately. Well, well, there is, but uh, I think it just takes forever to get it. <laughs> the coral belt. But you know what, man? Yeah, everybody, everybody knocks Damian Maya for being boring, but he found a way to win that fight, and he won it fast. You know, it'd be different if, you know, he kept going to that because he was getting beat up and just nothing was working, and that's the only way he could avoid getting beat on. But I was uh, I was pretty shocked at the ease in which uh, he grabbed a hold of Carlos Condit, took his back, and uh, almost put him to sleep. I don't know, Condit was starting to uh, kind of go limp there. Yeah, I saw that too. In fact, I was telling someone that today. We were talking about it. I said, Fonda had no choice to tap. At that point, I think he was just about to go to sleep. When I was watching yeah. it, I thought, I thought, I thought, oh, man, he's not going to tap. He's just going to go to sleep. You know, he's right. going to hold his pride and not tap. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the crazy thing about it was Damian Maya, it wasn't even under his chin. It wasn't even under his chin. It was – I think it was more yeah. of a. Uh, I think it it's was like cutting off his carotid. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was more cutting his carotid off because Carlos said he did say, starting to go dark, and uh, so I just tapped. It's, it was one of those chokes where, I think, it kind of snuck up on him. I think that's why he kind of just sat there for a second, because I think it kind of just it, it it snuck up on him. He did also say in the. Uh, press conference post fight that he you know he got rocked when he was in half guard there and that's why he turned because Damian Maya hit him pretty hard that's one thing Damian mm-hmm. Maya has improved with his jiu-jitsu game is the ability to beat on you if he can't submit you yeah 
And, you know, back to your point that you made initially, you know, people say he's not, Damian Maya's not exciting and he's not. But you know what's really impressive? Look at his last, last several wins. And this guy's winning fights with no taking no damage. He, right. He's not walking out with black eyes. He's not walking out with right. cuts. Uh, he, he's grabbing a hold of people and uh, making them miserable. Right. Bottom uh, uh, line, this guy deserves a title shot. And I don't blame him for saying, hey, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to take another fight. I'm going to wait because that title shot should be his. After what Damian Maya should do the next time he gets on somebody's back and chokes them and they're right about to go to sleep, he should whisper in their ear, this is what it feels like to die. And I, and I think uh, I, I think that word will spread and nobody will ever want to fight him. But, I mean, but but going back to Carlos Condit, let me, let's, you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of Misha Tate and Holly Holm. That's what that reminded me of. So it, so now that's two guys out of J- Greg Jackson's camp. It seems to be when they fight good grapplers or great grapplers, great ground technicians, they seem to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But Damian Maya, you cannot compare Damian Maya to anybody else ground-wise. I mean, it's just not the level. Oh, Sean is not a tough guy. It's a tough guy on the ground, too. But, uh, man, anyway, hated to see him lose. But it is what it yeah. is. Thank everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Majority MMA. Everybody have a great week. We're back.